Welcome to Black and White Movies. I'm Jared and... Danielle. And this is where we discuss two movies that are thematically bonded to one another or have some other connective tissue that warrants examination. Today we are discussing 1999's The Best Man and 2011's Bridesmaids. So I'll kick things off by uh, opening it up and talk, telling you guys what uh, Bridesmaids is all about and introduce that movie. So uh, Bridesmaids was directed by Paul Fagg and it uh, features starring ro- and breakout roles from funny people such as Kristen Wiig, Maya Rudolph, Melissa McCarthy, Rebel Wilson, and a whole cadre of familiar faces. Uh, Kristen Wiig plays Annie. Uh, she's a hot mess, failed small business owner that crumbles under the pressure of being the maid of honor to her childhood friend Lillian, played by Maya Rudolph. And... She faces competition for the reign as best friend uh, from the new newcomer Helen. So, Danielle, do you want to tell us about uh, Best Man? Yeah, I'm going to read this canned version of the. You can't just read someone else's words. You have to I on this show. You I'll... have to have an original short synopsis. Okay, next time. Anyway. It's about a group of friends who get together for a wedding um, and one of them. And this is a few years after college and how one has written a takeoff novel of everybody's lives by replacing, oh, excuse me, spoiler alerts in here, by replacing everybody with fictional characters. And so he's he's on the brink of getting this best-selling novel out into the world, and they're going for his best friend, and he is the best man of that particular uh, wedding. And so now everybody comes to find out that he's done this tell-all book and craziness ensues. This particular film was directed by Malcolm D. Lee um, and stars, oh gosh, Tay Diggs, Nia Long, as well as more Chestnut. Um, and of course, the uh, sneaky and cunning why is his name leaving me a blank? Because Jared's staring at me. I'll let you hang there. <laughs> I'm sorry. Why did my head just go blank? Uh, Terrence Howard. Jeez, oh, yeah. how did I forget Terrence Howard? Um, Can't any- forget his eyes. Anyway, wonderful uh, cast. We'll get into them very soon because that is the um, draw of this film. Yeah. We have two movies, uh, one full of gals, one full of fellows, and they uh, take place around a wedding. So do you remember the first time you saw Bridesmaids? I did. I actually saw it in the movie. I actually saw it in the theaters. Um, I was a little underwhelmed. I'm not going to lie. The first time I saw it, it was not funny. I didn't laugh. Um, it actually was, a, it, it made me laugh the second time. I don't know why, but it was some dead dead spaces in there. So I I do remember seeing it in the movies when it first came out. Not after people were talking about it. I went before the feedback, which I like to do. I kind of similar. It's a a fun movie. I could watch it anytime it's on TV. It's funny. What you kind of have to enjoy the characters that are in it. What's your take on Kristen Wiig or her character, Annie? I like female coming apart uh, movies. I don't like, people who are so perfect and put together. So I thought it was a great contrast between her and the new best friend (laughs) uh, character. It was honest. She did a very honest portrayal, in my opinion, about what it looks like when you feel some sort of way about not accomplishing whatever it is that you're you set for yourself and then what people have for you. She's a sloppy, failed small business owner. Like her cake shop failed. That seems to be the only area of life she's competent in or like an adult. 
Yeah, you encompass that pretty perfectly. That's exactly what she is. But then she's lashing out at everybody else for being that too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't figure out where the hell this movie takes place because sometimes I hear words like Chicago, Minneapolis, and I was, I, but then every time, but then often they end up in dusty like vineyards, and I'm like, where is it this? It felt movie like for- Illinois, but it, it could have totally been Canada. It was, probably was Canada <laughs> since these are a bunch of Canadian people. Yeah. Um, and they to play for yeah. <laughs> U.S. random anywhere kind of place. You know what uh, I hate about this movie? No. One of the most charming characters and the one you're supposed to kind of feel the most for the most affable characters is a a white irish cop and who has a romance with a Kristen wig and he's probably the most level-headed straight man they even um what's kind of offensive to me is they even kind of have jokes about um he pulls her over for the taillight being out which a lot of people in real life experience being pulled over for the taillight being out or not being out, but claiming it's out. And uh, she gets off and it's kind of like a running gag of it. So it's weird feeling, kind of making a joke and trying to be charmed by this Irish cop who, like, how does an Irish man fresh off the boat become a cop anyways? It was very odd, wasn't it? And I, I wondered, is he supposed to be playing? I mean, because I've seen him in other films later not probably this was my first time seeing him but that doesn't mean that he hasn't been around just means it was my first time seeing him and so i was wondering is he did they mean to do that because it doesn't seem like he knows anything about america but then again like you said where does this take place because it didn't necessarily expressly say they were in the u.s right yeah so it could have easily been canada um period or just somewhere in the world that's kind of like where you live but no, I I thought he was cute, meaning fun. You know, his character was yeah. fun, but it was a little creepy. Um, he kept showing up. <laughs> and he's honestly abusing his power all the time. Absolutely. He, lets, he lets her off because she flirts with him a little. They play with the um, the, the gun, uh, the speed ra- radar on the side of the road. He, he uh, kind of leaves his post to go drink in a bar with her. So it's yeah. he's constantly abusing his power to pick up a, a woman. Yeah. It, it was a very odd relationship and it was a, it was a relationship of convenience Yeah, uh, that a lot of times women will fall for whoever's close. Yeah. And it seems like proximity was the, the key. And a lot of times <laughs> police officers use their power to get their way with women get too. Pwned. Yep. Get them, get them off the clock. And that, he, that, uh, that's officer Rhodes played by Chris O'Dowd. And yeah, he's a Irish. I think it was a case of, they probably had the script and then they could get him, and he's a charming, nice guy. So hey, give him a part, make him a make him a Irish cop. I kind of think all of those. There's a group mm-hmm. of people. He's in that group, um, and so they just kind of pick from that group, like this whole stable of movies: oh, Maya Rudolph yeah. and you know Kristen Kirsten Wig. Um, and yeah, Paul Feig is he's kind of like the man's dapper feminist director because he he lets melissa he leaves every improv take melissa mccarthy does in in every film so that makes ad nauseum actually because sometimes it could have been easily skipped over yes yeah (laughs) you know what i mean i do get i do get like improv fatigue from this and other movies the words that this movie makes me think of is white privilege because this is a very obama era movie where i think they consciously are saying this is a post 
I could see Paul Fag and others saying this is a post-racial movie where Maya Rudolph would be the, the black character in it and she's meant to be black, her father's black, but there's no point where race is an issue. Uh, gulp. I, I'll say it like this. I don't think there is such a thing. I think either you expressly avoid the topic of race, which this movie mm-hmm. clearly did, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to our next film, The Best Men, right? Um, that expressly j- dives in, even yeah. to the point where it makes it cringy, probably for somebody who isn't black, right? Um, and so for me, I think when I saw it, you kind of check out because yeah. to me, most movies are the quote unquote mainstream films mm-hmm. anyway and they don't they don't think to include the topics of race. Now, is it necessary for this particular film? Not really. It's not like friends or something where you're like, "Hey, you're in New York. Why the hell aren't there any other people yeah. whatsoever?" That's kind of odd if you're in, you know, Sex in the City. Why are there any other black people or Puerto Ricans or whoever. So that didn't stand out so much because it seemed like an area where there probably wouldn't be too many uh, black people in the first place or, and so for them to be best friends and for her to be half black, but have absolutely no connection to blackness whatsoever. They expressly made her husband white. (laughs) You know what I mean? So they were clearly like, oh, we're just going to throw this in. And she just happens to be black, not, it's not an issue never comes up it doesn't matter right that's why i think this movie had to come out like in or it it suits the obama era perfectly because i think this film and also the best man are trying to kind of be above and beyond race but they're coming at it from two different ends of the spectrum like i think i think the way they made this movie paul fag makes movies they inhabit a universe where race just doesn't exist it pretends there is no difference between people, and we're all we're all on the same playing field. And um, clearly, we're not. I think. Well, so even though these two are these movies aren't that far apart, less mm-hmm. than a decade, right? Doesn't seem like it would be a huge difference, but it, there is a monumental shift in consciousness yeah. um, between 1999 and 2011. And just like you said, uh, during the Obama era, everybody thought we had arrived, right? But we didn't bother to go through any of the steps to get to the arrival part. And so, you know, clearly we're seeing the backlash now (laughs) and we're seeing the results of it, even in a comedy. Yeah. But let's play a brain game and put Nia Long from Best Man. Let's put her character in the Kristen Wiig character and she's driving with a busted taillight. She's uh, joyriding in front of a cop, littering in front of a cop. She's on a plane, drunk and on drugs, acting all kinds of crazy. And she would clearly clearly not have the same experience that um, even though Kristen Wiig's character is, is... I beg to differ. Titties are titties, right? <laughs> now, you throw in a Morris <laughs> Chestnut <laughs> in so that female car. female privilege gets you along. Female way. privilege does change things. So... You have a little bit less of a, a window, yeah. but you still have a chance. As long as the cop w- w- wants to fuck yeah, you, exactly. they'll let you get away with some business. Exactly. Peen talks. Yes. But it, it's fun. I think what I, I really enjoyed about Bridesmaids is the first time I saw it, which kind of lessens each time you see it, is it is fun to see 
a, a female led characters kind of acting crazy and I did. I loved that was the part that I did like about it. Probably the second time around. Yeah. First, the first time around, uh, I don't know about you, but my favorite part of it was the the Dookie scene, which was hilarious in the in the uh, fitting. Yeah. <laughs> for the, yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly I was in tears. It, it was. It's gross out of humor you expect from like a stereotypical guys, guys film, but now you're watching women. Exactly. Really? And I, I love that they went there like they didn't pull back from it at all. Mm -hmm. um, and girls are just like that. You know, it's and so to me, I appreciated that part. And this was the first time that a film kind of gave permission to women to yeah. kind of be uh, outright like, you know, not not crude. It just happened like it yeah. was. You know what I mean? It wasn't it was not like, oh, let's see. It wasn't know. gratuitous. It no. was all in story. Exactly. It felt, and it's always funny to see someone shit their pants. And then you make the pants a wedding dress in the middle of the street. It's kind hilarious. of hilarious. So are there big thoughts you had about bridesmaids before we talk about best man? I did. I, I love the, <laughs> the competition and the friendship. It happens all the time. I don't, you know, I don't know how guys are cause I'm not one, but um, in terms of feeling friends being jealous of one another okay. and trying to one up one another. Um, one of my other favorite scenes in bridesmaids, was definitely at the reception when they were trying to go back and forth on the mic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. give the speech. Sing. It was it was classic because it, it just encompassed kind of like how uh, women are. So that that is really women are like that. In my wow. in my female experience, I, I'm gonna say yes. Not overtly. We're not yeah. gonna go, you know, to karaoke and try and you know what I'm saying, one up each other. But um, in terms of, you know, oh, this is my friend, and hey, my friend, I want you to meet my new friend. And there's always this little side eye, like, where'd she come from? You know what I mean? Yeah. There's there is that. So um, I thought that was honest. So it's delightful. We see all aspects of female relationships, competition, friendships. Yeah, um, it balances out in the end. Smashing the cookie. <laughs> exactly. All of it. <laughs> all of it. So uh, we'll, we're going to compare both movies, let's, but let's talk a little bit about Best Man. And this was actually my first time seeing this movie. Of course, because why would you see this? Well, and I still have not seen the Best Man trilogy. This is part of a trilogy, I believe. There's, uh, there's only two. They... No, there's Best Man Wedding and Best Man Holiday, right? Uh, yeah, We're gonna have so, to have but there's not a third one yet. But that is three. No, it's, the best man was the, the wedding. Best man. Oh, that, that is yeah, a that's the wedding. Yeah. And then the best there's man holiday. There's not a second best man wedding? There, best man wedding too? No. So this the funny thing about the best <laughs> man, and we haven't even got into it yet. I thought it was a trilogy. Right. It's supposed to be. Okay. We talked about financial successes, right? Yeah. This was very financially mm. successful um, during its time. Very, you know. Yeah. People loved it, or black people loved it. So, and black films tend to make more money than mainstream films because there just aren't that many of them, and so they give them a lower budget, and it's easy to kind of smash the yeah. disrespectful budget in the first place. Well, you would think that that would mean that they would easily, hey, green light the next film. Didn't happen. Yeah. Um, until like almost a decade later. So trying to get all these people who then became these mega stars, it was trying to get their schedules together to yeah. come back for a reunite and get the studios to agree and the director to agree because he also came back for the second one. But it was... It's a normal production challenge is kind of... Like, um, no, it was actually 20 years later. Excuse so me. Extra, extra 
production challenges. Yes. So you didn't see this. But those kinds of things happen. 20 years later? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Come on. The best man, yeah, like you introduced it, it's about um, guys coming together for a wedding. And there is kind of male infighting as opposed to the bridesmaids, kind of female clickishness. And uh, our main guy, um, he t- played by Tay Diggs, uh, Harper, he has kind of embedded uh, the drama of their previous college experience together inside of his new narrative book. And um, every all his friends are reading it right at this, as things culminate with this wedding. And He's in some deep shit because he's buried some secrets like his uh, love for Jordan in there. And uh, and that also he had slept sex with um, his, his... The wife the, to be. The yeah. wife to be mm-hmm. of the man he's marrying and he's the best man Monica for. Calhoun's character. And all those secrets. Are in, now, the, the most implausible thing about this movie to me is as a writer... When I write something, none of my friends read it. But all his friends were like clamoring <laughs> to read it. And, oh, well, I you didn't it. write a book, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> you wrote a thousand scripts. <laughs> well, I got a book too. But no, yeah. So I mean, you're a writer too. Do your friends re- actually read things you write that yes. you don't ask them to? Um, just- well, no, they definitely. I have to beg them to, um, yeah. or at least ask. And yeah. they will. The reason my friends um, read mine is because they know I'll probably make it. That was not not to say not to say you wouldn't. I'm just saying. Oh, you got me. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. Out. That right. was no, no, no. I'm sorry. That was disrespectful. No, it wasn't. But the um, but moving along, the uh, I had, there was a phrase in this movie I had to look up. But once I looked it <laughs> Which up, one was uh, it? when she said, um, um, I forget who said it, but she said CP. I was on CP time, and I was like CP time. What is this? I looked it up and it stands for colored people time, which I had heard. I just hadn't heard it, the shorthand of it like that before. When I heard it, when I was watching it again, I said, I wonder if Jared's going to know what the heck. I (laughs) I had to Google it, but I had heard colored people time. I just hadn't heard the. Yeah. CPT. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think think we should. That is a thing. We should call it AAT, African-American time. Who's who's the African-American? Well. Right. But I should never say that term, though, outside of the... No, you probably shouldn't. Outside of the Not, safe space, I shouldn't say CP yes. time. No, um, unless you just mean like Chris Paul or something. Yeah, we'll probably... That's one of those things that, you know, we get you don't, you know. <laughs> but this uh, this movie similarly felt colorblind to me uh, in a way different than how Bridesmaids did. In this movie, there was not, you could play a drinking game where you take a shot every time you see a white person. There's like no white people in this movie at all. Which hey, I'm not I'm not complaining. It's just very interesting. And this film skips between Chicago and New York, I believe. I, I think they consciously were like, let's have a universe where just black people can have a black story and inhabit that space without uh, being sullied by 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 white people energy. I saw it in a different way. I think in a in a family structure in a in an environment like this, when you're getting ready for a wedding, it's it's. It doesn't call for any white people, right? Yeah. So if, you know, uh, all the white people listening and, and Asian and other and whoever, look to your right and who do you see? Most mm-hmm. of the time you're going to see somebody that looks like you or the people that you surround yourself with, whether you're at work or whether you are at home. You're yeah. going to, and these are their close-knit friends. So 
it wasn't it's not like a sex in the city where you're out <laughs> right in the yeah. in the middle of the day or you're in a Woody Allen movie and there's just no other people yeah. whatsoever like what the fuck right yeah um it's a little bit different it's kind of it's it's in a capsule it's it's uh, context so I don't think it needed it now did I feel like it was very aspirational absolutely yeah um which I've Everybody was so successful, and uh, I think that time after college, especially yeah. because they they did qualify with them being college graduates and and newly out, you're the most ambitious and you're the most uh, hungry when you don't have kids, and you're going after it. So at this time, um, even though it seems very aspirational, one's a football uh, pro. Football player, mm-hmm. author, another's an author, TV director. You know, even Terrence Howard, who's a struggling artist, he's super successful, <laughs> and you know what I'm saying, dreamy. Oh, they, they tried to pl- play him <laughs> off like he was failing because he's bouncing from one thing to another. But they, oh, they introduce him by him playing guitar right. backwards, <laughs> and every woman in the whole audience like is like dripping wet for him. So I'm <laughs> right. like, oh, like, he don't don't clown on him. He's like he's like excellent on that guitar. Exactly. So they missed us with that one. It's like, come on, knock it off so um yeah i you know for me i think that this was a around the same time as a lot of other films it had re- reason i say it was context both within the film yeah. and so and also without um this was a a very conscious time the late 90s going over into the jiggy era <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right yeah. um and so it was kind of that was people were uplardly mobile people were positive about yeah. um the kind of things that that could happen and there could be a life without white people like yeah. that was you know very popular with going to hbcus um historically black colleges if you don't know that acronym um and so they come out they they are inside of an insulated place where there are people that just look like you mm-hmm. and then you come out and you continue that same lifetime lifestyle because yeah. that's what your network is the word that came to mind for me is um you s- black excellence you said that they're all aspirational and so i thought of that term black excellence because you got to see a story of uh people that looked a certain way and it didn't have to do it didn't have to do with race their race was incidental but they all were successful in some way, and they did, the drama was all around their interpersonal relationships and not not outside cultural things. Yeah, I think a lot of this was very harmful. You think this movie in general was harmful? Not intentionally, not yeah. overtly. I think it was, um, you know, the wealth gap <laughs> okay. that yeah. that we are living through right now. Um, is a byproduct of not wanting to acknowledge um, Mm. how far behind because, you know, um, as it's said by so so many now that people are recognizing, like, um, once the financial crisis hit, right, and and black people, the only way they had wealth was in their grandmamas or grandpapas' home and they started losing those um, and that was taken away in a blink of an eye during let's say 2008 yeah. through 2011, oh, the 11? pre-housing crisis, right? which the housing crisis affected uh, black people much more than other. Absolutely. So it wiped it out. Yeah. So this was kind of like people were still riding the wave of being able to see yeah. um, some of that, you know, tangible wealth where, you know, hey, I could go to college and my parents still afford to pay for it and live and do things. Um, and so that, 
now that we're in a place where nobody can afford college, yeah. nobody can afford a home, <laughs> you know, you have to be making so much more money. It was a, it was a very deceptive time. So by ignoring socioeconomic realities, it kind of did a disservice in some way while it was trying to be aspirational in other ways. In my opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because Bridesmaids did come about 10 years later and you do see a woman, you see economic um, downturn. I think they even mentioned it because of, in, yeah. of of the crisis. Her, her bakery closed because of the ec- and maybe she's a bad baker. We don't know, but that's possible. But yeah, she but did make some kind of cool things in the movie. But <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know anyone who goes to cook one cupcake at a time. That's just inefficient. <laughs> but um, yeah. So so what? What else do, um, do you got to say about um, Best Man? I have to introduce that it's to me. Um, on the flip side of Bridesmaids, this movie seemed a little misogynistic to me, and I would say it failed the Bechdel test. Kinda? Yeah, the only You don't see two women talking to each other unless it is about a guy in some way or another. Okay. Uh, that, again, goes back to him. the point of the book, right? So the, it, the, the whole story surrounds yeah. the book, and the book is about these relationships. So that's fair. Yeah. Um, I, they don't ever talk. <laughs> about one another yeah. or to one another in any way meaningful um, outside of let's get your hair done for the for wedding. The, yeah, yeah. Um, but then again, it was the females to me weren't the point of they, the movie. They weren't the center of the film, but I, when I was watching it, I was like, a man definitely wrote this movie because the character of Jordan, especially she's professional. She's smart. She's funny. She's charming. But then when she gets a chance to, she basically comes up to a, uh, Tay Diggs' character, um, Harper, and she's like, oh, basically, oh, if you want to fuck me tonight, you know, you can come over and fuck me. Yeah. And then, and like, then out of nowhere, her, that was so random. He calls her up, and she's already in lingerie with candles. And and then, so this guy, Harper, yeah, he wrote a good book. He's he's a handsome guy, but uh, he has the two women fawning over him, and it seems like a male fantasy to me, especially that opening scene where he's getting washed in a bath with <laughs> petals and candles. Who's, no one, I've never nobody seen, no does one, nobody nobody ever bathes with it. a thousand rose petals. Well, th- let's clearly say that this movie doesn't hold up. Yeah, okay. Right? Um, this was the, before the Tyler Perry era, Mm-hmm. Um, which everybody's all done up and glitzed and glammed, and I think this birthed it, right? Yeah. Um, which is is annoying uh, to me. I, I hate seeing everybody all super shined up um, and m- camera ready yeah. for a film. But this was the, the launch of that, and you love to see, you know, beautiful black people. People are tired of seeing slave movies and downtrodden, and and so this was yeah. refreshing at that time. Because it's like only one way. Like you only see somebody in a buffoonish way or you see him in a slave narrative um, or some sort of oppressive manner. And so this was this was groundbreaking. So this was before all of that, you know, and you got Morris Chestnut. He's fine as hell. Mm -hmm. You got every all these good looking guys, Tay Diggs, you know, um, Terrence Tower, all of them. You know, they were Harold Pernew. Don't let me let me not, you know. Yeah, no, every, everyone's stunning in the movie. Right? Gorgeous it's, people. <laughs> exactly. And I but I agree with you. Um it was very uh what they would call hyper masculine or Male gaze. toxic. And yeah. it was just like yeah. I, I don't believe in any of those stupid terms anyway, but I I appreciate seeing uh black males in a stronger position yeah. and so I'll take it. Yeah. Um if if that means that I, that I have to hear 
you know, somebody say something misogynistic, then, you know, it's, it was an error. If they made this movie today, I'm sure if I watch, uh, get around to watching the sequel, it'll have corrected, course corrected some of that Totally different, yeah. Because we're in a different era now, and all the characters, misogynistic as it may be, all the characters were overall positive portrayals. They're all good people with small social, um, social uh, ills of, you know, character, but... It was a little bit of a remedial story. Um, I think I was clearly a lot younger when I saw it first. Mm -hmm. And so um, I didn't have a lot of expectations of a film. I think my film, my film understanding is a little bit bigger. And I wanted, I would have wanted to have it be a more of a deeper story, I guess. Um, Because to me, I hate like with the purple passion, uh, things that I see coming around the corner. Like, oh, we know he's going to find the damn book and read the book. Just read the book. Like, let's get to it. You know, I I can't take that. That that is a a tried. Yeah, hiding the book in the pocket. He's going to read it eventually, man. Come on. (laughs) Like, what, can we do something else? (laughs) But I did, I loved tracking uh, Quint, the character Quentin by Terrence Howard, just because he was the guy who was always kind of like, Telling the audience, okay, we're gonna get there. So, like, why don't you guys? He was trying to call. He was devilish. I like. He was interesting, but for but for a good purpose because he always was two steps ahead. He knew everyone's game and their number, and he could kind of see what was coming. I felt like, in a way, he was kind of the um, the director's character and the right Malcolm D. Lee's character. When Malcolm D. Lee was writing this, I think he saw himself in Quentin, the cool Mm. guy playing guitar backwards, who knew everything that was going on. Yeah. Uh, I, I could see that, but I don't know Malcolm D. Lee like that personally, where I could say that he, um, would put himself in that world as opposed to a character that he would have wanted to see if yeah. the, if the situation was breaking out. Right. Yeah. I could um, tell you he hated, uh, Shelby. Everyone was shitting on, uh, Shelby. She was, but she was the funniest <laughs> character, wasn't she? Everyone was just shitting right <laughs> on Everybody has a Shelby. Everybody knows a mass manipulator. Yeah. They don't want to tell you who it is, but I know it shall be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to open it up and compare compare these two movies a little bit more? Um, these are male a male version of Getting Ready for the Altar and a female yeah. version. And I think that because unlike Bridesmaids where they don't ever um, even allude to the husband, like you almost mm-hmm. forget that he's a character in the movie. Um, the whole entire thing hinges upon the fidelity of this virgin, you know, as yes. character and keeping her, you know, purity. And it's like, first of all, it's ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, again, more aspiration. And, for he, has, a man, and he has right? expectations of her that he, he does, would never have for himself. Exactly. Which is uh, bothersome um, in so many ways. But then again, they're rooting for. Uh, Tay Diggs's character Harper to hook up with the Jordan, you know, yeah. it's, it's like, so which is it? Despite him having, having a, uh, a having fiance a, a that's coming with, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Like, so, so not like <laughs> she's on her way. Like, and you're just like, yeah, go yeah, for it. Do be, it. Yeah, you, you better fuck Jordan tonight. Cause your fiance <laughs> like, is coming tomorrow. Who so. does that? Yeah. Like, that's crazy <laughs> to me. So including Jordan. Who's, yeah, like, she's with it. She too. had no problem with that either. No, right. There was no time yeah. when she was like going to, these are her best friends too, I'm assuming, yeah. that she say like, you know what, I'm thinking about, or maybe it is, maybe it got left on the cutting room floor. I don't know. Yeah. So we don't know. But it wasn't deep. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. My comparison is um, the fact that uh, 
to go through and see the dynamics of a friendship. Uh, if I were thinking uh, a better um, dramatic version of the best man came a little bit later, it was called The Wood. Oh, The Wood, yeah. Yeah, it was with also with Tay Diggs, um, but it was a little bit more intricate in terms of story. Well, I think that's, um, I think the best man for me could have gone the other way and been more comedic too, because Brides, right, Bridesmaids is a bit of a ridiculous movie on face slapstick. value, but it, the humor of it works because um, everyone's personality is turned up a lot. So, and um, um, Best Man's a little in between where it's more towards a traditional tonal tone of a movie so you the while it is it's a i would say it's a romantic comedy it's um it treads light on the comedy aspect it treads super light on the romance too doesn't yeah, it like yeah. where at what point it was kind of like what is it i think that that's a problem too is because um the the character of harper he has kind of qualities where i wasn't rooting for him because he he wasn't moored by a, a true romantic ideal or respect for anyone. So I, I wasn't rooting for him. So therefore, he didn't have like this strong romance with any of the characters. I agree. And so the funny part about that that you say is that then when he when this came out, he was a fresh face, right? He mm -hmm. was like, oh, he's good looking, got a nice body. Um, even those glasses weren't cornball at the time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're totally nerdy and not acceptable now, right? Well, no, if he just brought him down the brim a little, he'd look like E-40. <laughs> that's what we're going for. Yeah, that's the look. But... Uh, so people were looking at eye candy mm -hmm. as opposed to what his substance of his character was, right? Because the substance of his character was pretty crappy, like you said. And when I saw it now, I was like, you know, he's kind of a dick. Like, I don't, I yeah. wouldn't, like, yeah. I think he's like the worst character in this whole thing. And I'm not rooting for him at all. Yeah. Like, I, I felt bad for the Morris Chestnut character more so than, than him. Yeah. And I wanted him to get his ass kicked when he, <laughs> when he did so um, at that time. So I saw it a little bit different. But then again, time and space. And then you know, also know a man wrote this movie too, because he when he um, at the wedding, it is nice to see him kind of um, pray uh, with uh, Lance and then give the 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 best man speech at the wet the toast at the wedding. Are you and telling you do me? See his character. Hang turns. on, Jared. Are you telling me that a man can't write female characters in softness, or are you telling me that this was just a crap? crappy written movie no no i'm getting i'm getting a man can but i'm getting to why you know a man wrote this okay i'm trying the thing to understand. he does next is he propose ends up proposing to robin uh, on the dance floor there and everyone cheers and loves it including uh the new bride and groom which as a woman if i i have a fee a feeling that if you were at your wedding and another couple got engaged you'd be pissed off because that's just going to take the shine out of your special day you think so so i i do, I do not see the the brand new bride clapping and cheering okay wait so that brings me back to the brand new bride why were they trying to protect her so much like they mm -hmm. didn't want him to know, they didn't want her to know that he wasn't there yeah. like you're the one that messed she's the one that so-called messed up it wasn't just harper right yeah it was two takes two tango um and so i was trying to wonder why they were so protective of her oh yeah yeah, yeah. and she was she remained angelic throughout never unscathed we all gave her a pass for cheating um and so i think her character is true to form she would be clapping that's yeah. that was very consistent with oh okay with how she played the whole entire thing i don't think that um 
anybody else would, not Jordan. (laughs) Right. She wouldn't be clapping. Um, But I think that, you know, if you're going to stick with the character arc, then. Just a, just a little weird, like Harper was straight up about to fuck someone else less than 24 like, hours earlier. Less than 24 hours, that was like he, hours. Then he dances with her, gets her permission to essentially go with his girlfriend, and then he proposes. It's all a little, but, it's, but moving, wait. it's coming at you fast. And then, and then the fiance and Jordan team up. Yeah. What? Yes, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. just, you know what you just did. Cool. Uh, so your final thoughts are like comparing these two movies together. Um, because people got married back in. Um, oh, you you're married, right? I'm getting there. Good, good, good. Yeah, so people still do that apparently, but I don't. I don't know that they. <laughs> or jumping the broom. People jump the broom. Uh, people, yes. I don't know that they do that anymore. I haven't been. Maybe I'm just not invited to weddings. Yeah. I don't know, but um, you would think more people would get married, considering how tough it is. Anyway. It, oh, for economic reasons. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I did. Yeah. So I'll, my final thought on the best man is that jumping the broom to me was one of those one small touches where it did feel like um, not just a movie with people, but a black movie. Oh, just the jump in the broom, the jump in the broom part. Well, they one thing that put me off in the beginning was there was in the beginning of the movie, there was a lot of casual swearing. And I'm like, these are all like college graduates highly professional people and they're they were black jerry they're they're just cursing up a storm yep except for uh the one character um oh oh, julian harold Mm -hmm. uh, harold he he he, uh was the guy he was like the urban youth leader and he he said a-hole instead of asshole so i'm like it was very shocking um to hear the cursing again yeah even um i think as you grow up you just kind of use it less or more. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I think it's setting in comfort. So remember, we were talking about that. I, I just I think that um, when you're around people that you're used to yeah. and comfortable with, um, you tend to be more free with okay. lips. Yeah. OK. I can see that, too. I have a foul mouth sometimes, too. But the um, for me, like my what what. These films uh, in ten together bring into focus for me um, are it's kind of black uh, excellence versus white privilege, and it they both like I said earlier had I was thinking of post racial world where these were movies that by not really addressing race were saying something about race and the time they were in. Yeah, I I really reject uh, the term black excellence. I just, um, but that's just, that's just fast forward to now, Mm -hmm. but I can see what you mean. Like, yes, these people were, um, what you would want your kids to grow up to be when they, you know, aspire to do something. I, I, I loved it. And I love that they all had different types of careers, um, but it's a deterministic aspirational thing that you said, which I, I'm, I'm okay with. Can we talk a little bit about the uh, below the line or above the line cast and crew? Like we mentioned, Malcolm D. Lee, cousin to Spike Lee, wrote and directed um, uh, The Best Man. And for Bridesmaids, uh, Paul Fage, I'm going to continue to say his name wrong or at Mm -hmm. least think I'm saying his name wrong. He uh, directed the script from uh, Kristen Wiig and her writing partner, Annie Mumolo. So Mm -hmm. um, uh, Paul Fage. Fag is like the the male feminist comedy director. 
uh, famous for woman Ghostbusters and uh, <laughs> so, why, why? So, that was not the name of it Jared that sounds like a man wrote it <laughs> so but we have so we have representation of um, black male and female do you have any thoughts on the um, production of either of these movies so neither of neither of them were groundbreaking for me in terms of production value mm-hmm. um I think that I think that the best man was absolutely perfect for its time. Yeah. Um, it doesn't it doesn't um, stand up the test of time, but not a lot of movies in 1999 did. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, The Matrix is a perfect example. I will continue to drag The Matrix because every time I watch story wise, yes. Yeah. Style wise, no. So st- story, um, it depends. It's it's. Things are classics, but not necessarily uh, groundbreaking in terms of. And so I think that they stuck true like this was original for its day um, as as well as Bridesmaids was um, groundbreaking and fun and out of the box for its day, even though it wasn't that long ago. So. So the the music in The Best Man, I thought it was great overall. Stanley Clark did the music, so famous composer mm-hmm. and the music was good except for the fight scene between Lance and Harper. It was like oddly kind of comedic. And like, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want to hear that. <laughs> it was like, it, it had a different tone. I think he thought it was going to be a funny scene. It was kind of funny. So watch it again. That'll stick out to you. And I think these are both kind of, both these movies are edited. Interestingly, like I think, um, best man was a little over edited. Whereas bridesmaids was a little under edited. Like, um, for a comedy, Bridesmaids is a little long and a lot of the improv is left in there that I think could have been trimmed out. Absolutely. Um, now, the I had to look up the name of the editor for um, uh, Best Man and it's Kara Silverman. And she, and I've seen a lot of her other movies and she where she does the same thing where she'll use two, two takes from different cameras. So you'll see, say someone hits someone, then you'll cut or kisses someone, then you'll cut to a different camera and show the hit and the kiss again. So it kind of makes it more impactful by repetition, but it kind of plays with time a little bit. Well, that is inspired by Spike Lee. Yeah, that's a Spike Lee touch. And Mm -hmm. she's edited other films of his as well. I you'll you'll hear me a lot on this podcast Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm going to lean to story all the time. I I definitely find it difficult to unless the film was a cinematic um, feat, yeah. right? Now, if we're sitting here watching, um, what was the movie when uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's getting pounced by the bear? Yeah. Like, that's a totally different movie we're talking about. I would, for me, I would like to focus on story. As a filmmaker, I think it's not fair. Um, I would hate to be judged by anything I made um, back 20, 30 oh, yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, I allow, I, I leave all permissions for, for certain things. And I, I like that storytelling uh, mechanism of seeing multiple things, different angles and different takes. It, Not that you didn't. I'm just saying I, I like that. It draws attention. It stood out to me. It's like, and I was like, yeah. And I looked up her other movies and I'm like, yeah, I remember seeing these mm-hmm. and all those movies. And that's something you don't, you wouldn't see now. And it yeah. was, that's also of its time. Uh, my final question for you is, would the forehead kiss work for you? If 
Say Tay Diggs or someone else you're dating pulls the forehead kiss. What well, what would that accomplish? Let me let me explain how none of this would work for me. So <laughs> it's all ridiculous. Like it's absolutely ridiculous the yeah. entire thing. Um, which is why I said it doesn't stand up because it was like it may as well have been a Disney movie mm-hmm. then and now. So like it it was so ridiculous <laughs> in terms of like. You know, ooh, you know, everybody's like going crazy over this uh, Morris Chestnut character. Like, get out of here! Mm-hmm. Like, people, do people do that? I guess they do. Uh, I don't know. I, I've never been a fan. It's like kinda. a football person or something. Like, I don't even know what football players look like under their helmets. Like, I would never. They could walk in the door right now. I wouldn't know. A you and me are different, though. People care about football players. You and me are different. <laughs> okay, you're okay. Maybe you're. Maybe you're right. Maybe we are. In a weird world where we don't care about celebrity. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So then, no. No. Okay. Forehead kiss doesn't work on me. Good luck. Y'all do better than that. What are we, go- what are we going to officially say is the wokest and the wackest film? Ooh. And we can think of this in the sense of bad and good, too, because I think they're both woke in certain ways and whack in others. Mm, I'm gonna let you go first. So I'm gonna say, uh, <laughs> and I'm gonna use this this rubric just as which movie do I enjoy the most? Um, so good or bad? So I'm gonna say the wokest for me is Bridesmaids. The wackest is The Best Man. I'm I'm gonna watch Bridesmaid again at some point. I probably won't watch Best Man again. Yeah. Um, of course, I have to go with nostalgia's sake. So I'm gonna go with. Best man as the wokest um, because it was an awakening at that time. Um, and I'm definitely going to go with Bridesmaid as the wackest um, because of those painfully drawn out uh, comedic scenes that went on way too long. The funny was funny, but then the not funny was painful. Yeah. And Bridesmaids did make me have affection for a cop. So I do resent the movie. For that. <laughs> Cops are good sometimes, right? Well, you're not going to get me on mic saying that. <laughs> but so, okay, before we wrap things up, though, I have a quick take. So there was an article I saw in the wrap that uh, just was a, one of those listicles that compiled the top 10 highest grossing movies directed by women. Mm. And since we these movies, uh, feminism and women-led films kind of came up today, I thought that'd be a good one for us to talk of. So I just want to run these down and get your reaction to them. Okay. So number 10 is... From 2000, the year 2000, Nancy Myers, What Women Want. Okay, number nine is from director Elizabeth Banks, who has a new movie in theaters, uh, Charlie's Angels, and uh, Pitch Perfect 2. Number mm. eight from director Catherine Hardwick is Twilight. Mm. Number seven <laughs> from Betty Thomas is Alvin and the Chipmunks, uh, The Squeakquel. So not the first one, the second one. Okay. Number six is, and this is interesting. Here's where we get into co-director territory. So some of these are kind of, eh, it was co-directed by a man. But so uh, Mark Andrews and Brenda Chapman, Brave. And then number five is Vicki Jensen and Andrew Adamson, Shrek. That's the first Shrek. Uh, then this one, I'm interested in your direction, your reaction to this, uh, 2003's The Matrix Reloaded from the Wachowski sisters. I We're going to go down a, hole, a rabbit hole and we will get to 
that another time. Okay. Well, but um, no, I'm we'll going to say fight on another. I'm going to say we're going to um, unsubscribe them from that particular list, even though <laughs> so far it is my favorite on the list. Which what does that say about me? <laughs> no, I said the Matrix Reloaded. I know. I like Matrix. I like three. Oh, okay. I I did not like two. I thought it was trash. But the third one was was legit. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we'll just keep moving on. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, number um, three, uh, directors Jennifer Lee and Chris Buck is Frozen. So animated movies shouldn't be on here, right? So basically, oh, they're so they saying, were going to knock off half this list. Yeah, because we're basically saying that. Um, women partnering up with men and the only reason they do that is because they don't trust women to take the helm completely yeah. even though they want a female director they want like a little they want to say the, this the, was, yeah the training yeah. wheels on they want to put the training wheels on um and so that's what that is they do it yeah. all the time with eps um they do it all the time with writers writers mm -hmm. rooms um to see like oh can she you know can she make it yeah. in this men's world like no just throw her in there and see just what give happens her give her ch give her yeah. a chance give her the authority don't call her a bitch every time she tells somebody they're not doing what they're supposed to do um and then we'll see right yeah yeah so uh no no co-directing doesn't doesn't count okay so half this list is gone uh number two is from patty jenkins it's wonder woman Mm -hmm. And I, my copy paste skills suck. I neglected to put one on there. So what? I have no idea what number one is. <laughs> How would I know this is your so that's list? All, that, that I deleted off. So you're going to have to go to that art listicle from the rap to know what number one uh, is. Now I'm like on the edge of my seat. I hate you for this. You're going to have to tell me. Was a, Is Steven Spielberg a woman? Yeah. Yeah? I think he's okay, a Okay, so woman. then number one is Jurassic Park. <laughs> Perfect. All uh, right. So is any any other thoughts? Is that it? Yeah. Oh, okay. So from that list, I've seen pretty much all of them except for album and then Chipmunk. Chip. Is it Chipmunks or Chipmunks? Chipmunks. Chipmunks. Okay. Yeah. So I, I still like um, The Matrix <laughs> from the Wachowski, Wachowski sisters. Yeah. I yeah. Don't... So they get to stay on the list since it's the only movie. And Wonder Woman's honorable mention. It's all right. I'm not going to say what my favorite on this list Why? is. Why? Because I, I don't really like any of these movies. I didn't, we didn't say like. We said we had to choose from this all list. All right, Shrek is my favorite on this yeah, list. Yeah, Shrek is all right. All right. All right, so anyways, uh, thanks for listening to us today that you've been listening to the Black and White Movies Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you have any uh, movie ideas or need to tell us something, go ahead and email us at blackandwhitemoviespodcast at gmail.com. And you can also reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram at BNW Movies Pod. Thanks so much, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.